listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week, the programme where we look at the local print media, sometimes the national print media if we're interested in it, and uh, we let you know what's on and maybe what you might uh, like to be or what you would be interested in. Delighted to welcome, we have a full team this evening. Uh, delighted to welcome John S. Kelly. John? Hello. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And Pat O'Brien, who started the ball rolling with this show a couple of years ago. Pat, you're very welcome. Thanks, Tim. And David Fleming, back from uh, his holidays. Uh, <laughs> so delighted to see you back, David. Good to be back, Jim. Now, where are we starting? Let's start with the front pages, I suppose, of the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo this week. And UHL comes in for, uh, I suppose, David, you call it a fair hammering. A fair hammering is right. Uh, the, the headline, it's quite stark, really, when, you, when it's put to you like this. ED, emergency department, poses, quote, danger to patients. Um, hospital group asked to appear before health committee. Uh, this is, sure, this is a very long-running story. In the national media, we hear about the hospitals and the waiting times and the trolleys for years and years and years and years. But the latest has come because uh, HICWA, which is the regulatory authority for hospitals, made an un unannounced inspection uh, at the U UHL. I'm, I'm loath to say ULH, yeah. because uh, even though the University of Limerick has an association with the places, he's a teaching hospital, they're two very different organizations. Uh, the hospitals group, um, and they found they found that, uh, or they've the, the, one of their findings of their report is that patients are actually in danger of dying um, and all sorts of things. So they've been requested that that unannounced TICWA inspection on March 15th found the overcrowded and understaffed emergency department posed a significant risk to the provision of safe quality person-centred care and to the health and welfare of people receiving care in the department. Dan Danner uh, has that and is quoting that from the, from the uh, uh, HICWA report. So it's quite damning. I was in there myself um, last week with, with, with a child. Now, there are two different emergency departments, but you still go in the same place. But, and, and I could see all the people. There wasn't a, there wasn't a seat available for um, anybody in the waiting area. It was full. Uh, and the children's emergency department then is just uh, adjacent to it in a separate room. And were people standing up so if it's full? Their people were standing up. And in, in, the, in the middle of the night, no, they would have been the people accompanying the patient um, or the person who was injured. And we didn't see, of course, what happens beyond that, where all the trolleys would be or the assessment yeah. is happening. This is just the reception area. Yeah. And of course, late at night, it was. Um, I, w I left at about twelve o'clock. Twelve what midnight. Time did, you, did you get in? I, I arrived at about five o'clock in the in the afternoon. So and seven hours. About seven hours for for. How long before you were seen, or before Sarah was seen? Uh, about six hours, which for which was a long time. A long a time child. for a child. Yes. Um, yeah. And there were plenty of babies there as well so it's a long time for them and their mothers and mothers and fathers having to come in and out so there were people there a lot longer than I was yeah but even then that emergency department um, is not as bad as the adult emergency department 
Um, so it's, it wasn't too surprising for me to read about this. Uh, and but it's not just Limerick, of course. We heard last week it was Cork. Cork had a 22-hour waiting time. Why it was the worst in the country. Well, it, it, we, we have to thank, I suppose we, we can thank Michael McNamara, our local TV, for constantly keeping this issue heightened in the public mind. Because we don't seem to be able to solve it, Jim. No, and it's been it's been ongoing for years. I know I know Michael is very strong on it because you know Michael, through his family, would have first-hand knowledge of mm. the um, the waiting times yeah. in, in the in in Limerick in what we used to call the regional hospital. Yeah. It's it's been there for years and years and years. But and here, here wh- you have, wh- why can't we solve it? Here you have the regulatory body, the HICWA, saying. It's not, it's not fit for purpose. And we have another yeah. heading on the, and another one of the articles on, the, on the, this week's uh, local media. Um, f- a man five days mm. before he got a bed. Yeah. Five days. Yes. What's, I mean, it's unreal. Yeah. This what thing. struck me was uh, that the doctors, there weren't enough doctors. If there were additional doctors, they could process, not process, but yeah. uh, see patients see patients at the least because it's the waiting to see a doctor is the problem and then they have to figure out what's wrong with you but it's actually the waiting is this is the yeah. problem yeah they, they're right they, about that because the, somebody um, suggested as a solution that we reopen uh, Nina and and, and Dennis. Dennis yeah well but one the of response the, there was that that's not going to solve it because the personnel aren't there. The personnel aren't so there. So now we have yeah. A, yeah. a vicious cycle. So we don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough doctors, enough nurses. Yeah. I think that's the major problem. And, uh, and why don't we have them? Well, that is, perhaps some of that is being, may be addressed this coming week with the enhanced salary increase, mm. which the mm. minister has announced or is announcing uh, you know, yeah. for medical profession. How about that, Jim? Yeah, I'm just, is that enough? Is it a question of doctors aren't encouraged or aren't attracted to the Irish Health Service because, because the, the salary isn't good enough and they can get do much better elsewhere? Or are the, the existing conditions such a problem that mm. you know, medical personnel shy away from it and go abroad, go to Australia, go I to think the it's US, both. go to Britain? I think it's both, Jim. Yeah. I think it's both salary and conditions. And restricted entry to medicine. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's a restricted entry system. It on is. On two counts. One, uh, uh, the, the, in terms of leaving certain points. Yeah, and the other is on terms of affordability. Yeah. Yeah. Now we, we mentioned it last week, yeah. in fact, uh, how perhaps some of that could be addressed. Yeah. I'd be in favour of opening up the, the, the uh, um, depart- medical departments wide, widely. Yes. And all it requires, I mean, you're not gonna, the academic standards are there all the time, mm. you know. But John, I mean, that report is not a surprise to you, no. I would suggest. No. Because we have been hearing for years about waiting times in hospitals, trying to get in accident emergency departments, you know, packed with all sorts of problems there. And Limerick has been one of the worst of them down the years, by and large. And it hasn't improved, Jim. I mean, mean, who's going to take that? Who's going to take on the responsibility? You know, for for the the last 15 years, you'll hear them of of, of overcrowding in Limerick. You do. 
Yeah. Yeah. We had a report, uh, they, all the opposition parties got together and they produced launcher care, which was this great reform of the health mm. service. Covid of course then came and scuppered that for the last two years. Yeah. Um, but we haven't, like, the, on page four, Jim, just to give listeners a sense of what it's like in there. Of the Clare Champion. In, of the Clare, page four, the Clare Champion, Dan Danaher again. The data showed that at 11.30am, this is on the day HICWA visited, the hospital was not compliant with any of the national key performance indicators for the emergency department set by the HSE. At that time, 76 patients, 76, 55% of all attendees of the emergency department were in the department for more than six hours after registration. 76 more. patients. Six hours. More than six hours. Yeah. Over half of the attendees of the emergency department were in the department for more than nine hours yeah. after registration. Um, in total, 28 attendees to the emergency department were aged 75 years and over. So 28 of those 76. None were admitted or discharged within nine hours of registration, which was not in line with the national target of 99% of patients aged 75 years and over. So these are our most vulnerable um, citizens. They're expected to wait. They're there for a reason, whatever illness that they have, and, and there's waiting around. Half the attendees to the emergency department aged 75 years and over were not discharged or admitted within 24 hours. That's how, that's how bad it is. And looking at page eight in the Clare Echo where uh, the heading is confidence lost in management and a number of, of public representatives are, are, are saying that, including Michael McNamara and junior minister Patrick O'Donovan, acknowledging that it was shocking but not surprising. I'm just thinking if we're talking, if the reason is, or one of the underlying reasons, is that we do not have enough medical personnel the problem isn't just with management in the hospital. No. It is much wider than that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if the management cannot attract people to come in uh, because of the, the, the finance, because of the, the salary, restrictions, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's a government problem as opposed to it's a Department of Health issue rather than just a management issue in the hospital. Mm. Look at what, yeah, Mike, uh, Jim, look at what Michael McNamara again said during the week. Every day, people in the doll. People are afraid to go to this emergency department. Now lads, that's a serious statement. Well, John, people are afraid yeah. that frail family members yeah. will be brought by ambulance to this department. Yeah. I was reluctant, John, to when we called here to the doctor here in Scarif, who, yeah. who said they, they thought it was appendicitis or something. It wasn't. Uh, oh, you'll have to go to the emergency department. And the first thing that came into my head was, I don't want to go to Limerick. Yeah. Um, can I go anywhere else? Yes. And, and what did the you doctor you? said, well, you have a choice, but it's the same everywhere as what she said. But our perception in our mind at the moment, and this contributes to it, of course, mm. is that Limerick is not the place you want to be. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. So now I have to say that when we were admitted to my daughter, um, uh, she got great care by the nurses and the doctors eventually. And uh, it, I've never been in, in a hospital for a very, very long time. It's one of the busiest. I Ever equated saw. it to an airport. Mm. It was that busy. It yeah. be, yeah. mm. And it's not going to change this week. No. And I'm just open to God. I don't know well, how to make the decision you made. Yeah. The, okay. the Department of Health has put a, a management team in now to 
and the whole team uh, in to sort out what are the problems without with, with, with getting people moved out of the emergency. Did Michael Martin whether they're going to whether they're going to do anything whether they're going to improve it or not? No, I don't know. But that's that's was on the radio. Did, did, did Michael Martin say that it's not the function of government to run the health system? Mm-hmm. Did he? Am I? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't know. But well, yeah, he transferred that he, he was blaming the the, the yeah. HSE, like you know. Yeah. But I suppose uh, this Marie McMahon vindication for grieving families uh, is yeah. here on in page um, in page eight of the of the of the cook. Uh, yeah, and in a Simon Warner who said she feels vindicated by the sketching assessment issued by HICWA into overcrowding University Hospital Limerick. Tommy Wynn was 65 when he was found unresponsive at UHL in April 28 after spending up to six hours on a trolley on a corridor. He was later pronounced dead. Tommy's wife Marie has been one of the most vocal health campaigners in the country. In, subsequent, in the subsequent four years, seeking investment and improvements for facilities in the Midwest region. Mm. Patients have been waiting for a bed in the emergency department for as long as 116 hours and two days for urgent scans, the HICWA report found. Well, uh, uh, that woman's husband was brought in and, and he, he died on a trolley. Died on a trolley. Died on a trolley. And found unresponsive, that mm. would suggest that they yeah. came upon him. Came upon him, did it? Yeah. Do you know? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, we, I suppose we'll have to move on from this, but it, it does be interesting to see what proposals that this team that uh, yeah. the, the, uh, the, yeah. the Department of Health have yeah. put in, yeah. um, because it, if, if there are problems within the hospital with management, I mean, it, it should be relatively easy to, to, what man, to before, that. Before we would move on, just love your, to hear your opinion. Will we be talking about this, or how optimistic are you that this, that these problems nationally in all of our hospitals yeah. will be resolved? Let's say in five or ten years' time. John, I'm afraid to answer it. Yeah, that sounds to me uh, uh, not there's as no, not optimistic. There's no indication, either in the media, written or oral, no indication whatsoever that they're, they're thinking about a plan, their minds and having a plan, thinking about how one addresses this, this crisis era. Mm. Gee, I mean, yeah, you're all young lads, you know. Well, you're, 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 uh, five point, the, 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 the amount of people in the country has gone up to 5.2. Yeah. Yeah, so, the, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the population of the country is, is rising, so you, rising, you have to, yeah, yeah. You have to uh, facilitate it. It's definitely to do with the, the yeah. census for. That's, yeah. re- that's exactly right, Pat, and I think I've said it here before, that yeah. now is the time to plan for the next, to build the next hospital mm-hmm. where it's needed. And they've said Limerick, the Limerick region, the Midwest, including our own, is one of the busiest regions outside of Dublin. Yes. But if, if, if you have a problem, and, and it's a huge problem, at least one should be talking about p- potential solutions. Mm. Mm. First of all, what is the problem? What's causing the problem? And how do we solve it? Yeah. And it's, we're not hearing that. Mm. Anyway, okay, we leave that. And yes. um, I'm sure... Keep we'll, a watching brief. On we'll it. keep a watching brief. Um, on the front page, Pat, of the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo, uh, I'm looking at the Clare Echo here. Pat Fitz calls it quits. And yeah. uh, on, the, on the Clare Champion, Pat Fitzgerald to step down as Clare GA Secretary. 
Yeah, the, the news came out yesterday that um, Clare County Secretary Baptist Shell was stepping down on the 18th of July. It's just, I think, the, the day after the All Ireland Holland final. Uh, six, six months will come and consider there after 32 years in the position. He will step down on July 18th, the day after the All Ireland Holland final. He has been busy and demanding role, and I, I, I've enjoyed it immensely. I have enjoyed it immensely. I wish the county and all our teams only the very best with the future endeavours and plans both on and off the field of play. I am very proud of what we have achieved together on many, on, on, over many long years and I wish you every success in the future. Well, it's just, uh, just a bit of a surprise, but he's, I think he's, he's, um, his contract was up. Yeah, Pat, Pat tell me, can you tell me this? When did the concept of uh, county secretaries being paid Enter into the arena. Yeah, he was he was seventeen. Well, about halfway through his his thirty-two years, I think he he was seventeen years there on a voluntary capacity. On a voluntary capacity. Yeah, and then in the thirty time at that way. And then the, he was seventeen years as a paid paid yeah. official. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just in Clare, like you would have paid officials in... Every, in is it yeah. a, a, a well, university? It's a paid in the counties. Yeah. 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 Pat, what do you think his legacy is? Well, I suppose, to be fair, he's done an awful lot of good work, you know, and he was a good secretary. And I suppose, like organisations, maybe he stayed a bit too long. You know, you... you know, yeah, stayed Even if well. club level, I was, I was secretary of our club, and maybe... You know, you'll, you'll be gone after five years, or Jim, you was probably in it as well, in the same position, and you'd go over it, because you just, you know, you, you, need, you need fresh people in, Is it fresh like thinking. Is a, a desirable position to hold? Which sure, I suppose, if, if people... Uh, From your experience, uh, dealing, dealing with, uh, you know, the GAA administration, we call it. I mean... Yeah, actually... Is like it full of... Uh, of Unusual challenges. As, as a secretary, yeah, I wouldn't know, no, 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 I, no, it wouldn't. But I a county know. secretary now would be different. Wouldn't county it? secretary would probably have a lot of work. Well, that's the one I'm talking to, about. Yeah, he'd have a lot of work to do, like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Would have a lot of work to and, do. and a lot of challenges. I know when I became secretary of Scarif back, I don't know, I was secretary back in the eighties, but when I became secretary about seventeen or eighteen years ago, uh, the first challenge I met was of team managers who want to postpone fixtures. Fixtures, yeah, yeah, uh, like fixtures are in the paper. Next yeah. thing you get a phone call as secretary from the manager. Yeah. Can we put this off for a day? Can we put that off for a week? Yeah. There's a wedding this day, there's a funeral <laughs> yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Problem is the and of course, I haven't, I, as club secretary, you haven't the power to do anything. So I was ringing <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald, you know, and yeah. in fairness to Pat, he did not want to postpone anything at any stage. You can see why. You can, of course you can You have see to why. hold the line, don't you? You have to hold the line. Yeah. Jim, what do you think his legacy is? He's, he, he was a terrific organiser. Um, he had great, you know, feel for the whole, for the GA and for organising things and for making things happen. Uh, I'm sure he'll be proudest of the fact that during his term uh, we won three All-Irelands. We won an All-Ireland for the first time in 81 years. Mm. Uh, we, we got to an All-Ireland football, I'm talking about hurling now, we got to an All-Ireland football semi-final. Uh, our under-21s, I think we got four All-Ireland titles yeah. under his stewardship. Mm. Yeah. Um, and to what extent is he responsible for that success? Well, I suppose 
the players are initially responsible. The team management is responsible for having the players going out, you know, able to perform. But the secretary, chairman and treasurer and officers of the club or of the county are responsible for putting the conditions in place mm. that that can happen. Mm. Mm. And if the conditions aren't in place, that won't happen. Mm -hmm. So I mean, now Pat, Pat was, you know, a very he he didn't shy away from controversy either. Uh, he was well able to um, to fight his corner, and uh, you know, you often I often had tough, you know, battles with him negotiating this that I wanted something, and he was looking at the bigger picture maybe that mm -hmm. if he gave this this to Scarif, he would have to give it to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I think I mean overall his his. Uh, his contribution, you know, has been huge. That I mean, the hurling, the state of hurling in Clare is mm. is in good shape. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, You know, and that's a good legacy to leave. Indeed, mm. indeed. Know? So now uh, it, the page turns over, and uh, and one is looking at a, what appears to be a challenging but a desirable position coming up for grabs. The, the, the director of the chief executive appointed. Achieving, not, won't call him a secretary at all. No, no? I'd say he'll be chief executive appointed and he'll be looking after the whole. Yeah. The whole I the think whole there system. we're yeah. probably seeing again the slow professionalization of the GA, where it's adopting, the, at least adopting the terminology of business. Mm. Yeah. I see it in my own organization. Mm. We, we which have one chief financial you, which officers. Which organization had you in mind? <laughs> the university. <laughs> chief financial officers and chief financial this and chief officers mm. for the, whatever you're having yourself. But it's a huge organization. I mean, even Clare GA, and it's not the biggest county in the country, but I mean, Cork is, is much bigger. Um, but the whole organization of the GA from under sixes mm. up to mm. sometimes yeah. senior or... or you know, Masters, masters uh, is a huge organization. It is a huge organization. Yeah. Um, and it demands It's probably been never as big in its history uh, as it is now, with girls and boys involved. Indeed. No, it probably hasn't. Yeah. It probably hasn't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, I can see why a full-time person, I mean, I couldn't imagine how Pat Fitzgerald, when he was on a voluntary basis, mm. was able to, to do it all. and hold on a job in Shannon at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know, I mean, that would, would be extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. But um, Nuala probably wouldn't have seen him at all. Would you like, and I mean, I mean, I mean this sincerely, uh, would you like to hold that position? Would you have a kind of a, a vision uh, that would fit snugly into the, the executive requirements in a, a county board? Is he offering the job? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's flying a kite anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a younger person, you know, yeah. somebody in, uh, with, it, with maybe with business experience, but obviously with an interest and a knowledge of hurling and football um, would be ideal. But I think someone has to be relatively young and, you know, full of energy yeah, and enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, and I, I know you want to move on, what do you think is, for the new person coming in, he or she, what do you think is, would be a top of their agenda to be tackling as the new chief, whatever they're called? Pat? Well, of course, the, the, I think the, the after, having, uh, the, after having this... Um, High performance? Yeah, they have to do the, um, collecting money above the, the house and the hinge. 
So they have, they're, they're, the board are going to have over half a million in this, and they're going to, they're, I say, to improve the facilities up in, in, in Carlo and the other new. This the high performance centre. Yeah. 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 I'd say the facilities there will probably be, yeah. they'll be high in the agenda and you people coming in. And I'd, I'd say as well, uh, to, to get Hurling and Camogie going from the grassroots up, yeah, yeah. from a young age, mm -hmm. um, you know, and get, make it interesting and enjoyable, you know, to, for, for young people to want to go with a hurley or a football. And do you think government should uh, reflect on the importance of just what you said and to back it? I do. I, I feel government should reflect on the importance of all the major sports yes. in the country, mm, you know, yeah. particularly rugby, soccer and GEA. Yes. Because the contribution that it makes to the sort of equilibrium in uh, right throughout the country to the cohesion yes. of, yeah. of a country and of a population yeah. uh, by the, by all those sports yes. is huge yes. but john um, your comments suggest that the government doesn't well, they do, they do, they do i think they i think they do. because we regularly they, read out the grants that, a lot of money. yeah uh, i think it's true but i think sometimes that message and that reality gets missed Mm. Out there in in community, mm. you know, and mm. you get you know biased comments. And we'll we'll stay with GA, but we'll go to Karen, because the puka is being installed this week. And I know David, you're well, very sad that the puka hasn't made his way to East Clare. I am, and I had a spot and all picked out um, in Tomb Grainy. <laughs> but anyway, um, this is this is the infamous or the famous now puka uh, that was. Um, stopped from being installed in an assignment by an assignment people who had who had 55% uh, of the residents um, if you'll remember voted against it or didn't like it because they said it was scary dark evil unappealing unpleasant frightening grotesque and vulgar i thought that's the perfect definition of what a puka should be yes but in any event it is going to Karen to the michael cusick center there it's going to be opened uh, by uh, well, we don't know who's it going to be opened by, but according to Porig McMahon, Councillor Tony O'Brien, who is going to be the new Cahirlock of Clare County Council, um, is tipped to have the honour of unveiling the statue, which is happening, which has happened, uh, isn't that right, on Saturday. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we hope it was, um, we hope it was unveiled without too much rain. Or anything like that. I, I'm, I for one, am going to go up and have a look at it. Oh, but absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the title of the article uh, by Park McMahon in the Clare Echo. Okay, the Puka to land in Carn this weekend suggests landing suggests descending from on high. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to me, rather than emerging from the depths of yeah. hell. <laughs> <laughs> certainly. Certainly, we'll, we, we will have to make an assault. We will, and maybe, maybe we should wait for November because at the very end of the article, uh, as uh, a storytelling fest, story festival is planned for November 1st, uh, which I think is all souls and sound, um, to, ce to celebrate new beginnings and possibilities. So there'll be, the puka will, will be in full flow then, I imagine. Yeah. Yes. Well, we've been promising ourselves to go up there and do a show from Karen and in the shadow of the puka. Yeah. John, yes. we're almost at half time. Ennis Diamond, 
and oh, education in Ennestimon is going in a new direction. Well, absolutely. After all these years, it's, you know, there are three schools, for our listeners' sake, there are three schools, second level schools, in Ennestimon. Okay? Convent School, second level, uh, Brothers School, CBS, and the V, what was the old VEC. For, I, I, I'm here now in East Clare since 1965. And around that time, there was a, a suggestion from the department uh, that uh, some consideration should be given uh, to amalgamating. You know, we're talking about the latter end of the 60s and the early part. 35 years later, anyway. Is it 35? Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's the end of the paper. Yeah. They couldn't bloomin' well agree. Now, they fought over the puka. <laughs> they fought over amalgamation. And they fought over amalgamation. What do you think, John, was the issue? Oh, well, I've no doubt whatsoever what the issue was. Uh, not, well, no, I, I, I'll, I'll go, I'll revisit that statement. You know I mean? um, the, there's a, a, an essential snobbery attached historically to second level education here in Ireland. To wit, um, if you are a VC school, it was in some way or another conceived or perceived uh, by many, many citizens as being inferior. Mm. As a result, of course, technical education never really mm. got a chance mm. to grow, mm. okay, uh, in the way it should. We were so unlike the Germans. The Germans are expanding the concept of technical education. We even now here in Ireland, in our universities, we have incorporated mm. that word technical into it. It is suddenly beginning to, uh, to, to realize there's value in this economically, mm. to hell with the social side of it, do you know? So that is one factor mm. which uh, prompted, uh, you know, separation, mm. the VC schools. Then there was the problem of uh, religious control. That was very significant. So this new school now, what is, what, what is the make of it? It'll be a, a community, community school. school. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah. So it was going to create for 750 pupils. Actually, it would be marvellous. And, and new, uh, in the new school, had 70 teachers, and, and, and including two deputy principals. How, how much is indicated in the article? Uh, 20, 23 million. Uh, oh, that must be a mistake, yeah. is it? 23 million. I'd Luke. say I'd say that's what you'd need to build a school of that size. 23 million. Yeah. yeah. Facilities will include a PE hall, four science labs, several home economic uh, rooms and textile rooms, 30 modern classrooms, multimedia suite, arts and crafts, pra practical rooms, fitness suite, and additional education needs to suit. No and to accommodate ASD classes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we'll, we'll stay and we wish them the best of luck going yeah. forward in this time. And John, I'll stay with you because we lost during the week one of our well-known musicians here in County Clare. Indeed. And I, and I know you want to um, say a few words about him. Well, Dennis Cahill, I mean, all of us here have, have heard Dennis and, and uh, Martin Hayes, you know, uh, play uh, in, our, in our area. Okay, on radio, and of course there isn't a major theatre in the world where the two haven't played together. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a, a, a shock to to learn that Dennis had died. He wasn't an Irishman, but 
Um, well, his people, he was, he was people from Kerry. Yes, right. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. And of course, uh, probably the gloaming, that, that mm. means something to you. Mm. But I thought that, again, Porrick McMahon's uh, report on him in the Clare Echo, I thought that was just so lovely, personal, intimate. He brought us into the actual bedroom as Dennis was dying. And as his wife held his hand, they turned on the record of Lament for Limerick. And we're going to play that now as a, as a, a, a commemoration piece for Dennis. And, and extend to Martin as well, to Martin A's, our appreciation of the great loss which he is suffering. Yeah, Dennis, Dennis played on the, the back six. Mm -hmm. He did. 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 He Welcome back. You're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio, and that was Martin Hayes and the late Dennis Cahill with the Lament for Limerick. I suppose the, in the second part of the programme, we look at things more local, and I suppose the, the burn and uh, Holy Island come into focus there. I see you're looking at it there, David, on the page 13 of the Clare Echo. Yeah, Porig McMahon has this. It's actually not in the Clare Champion, um, so this is a kind of a scoop for Porig. And uh, it's <laughs> the decision on the inclusion of the cultural landscape of the Burren, Uplands and Holy Island on a new tentative list of potential World Heritage properties for Ireland will be made next month. So it's more of an announcement of, of an intended story. Um, um, this, is, this is the list that is produced by UNESCO of World Heritage Sites. And there's only two of them in the country. Uh, the Brune Buena, which is Newgrange, and Schellig Vickel are the only two in Ireland. And as Porig has highlighted here, it's compared to 48 in Spain, 47 in Germany, 45 in France, Mexico 35. The UK have 32. We've only got two, mm. which is amazing. Well, that's a reflection, of, I think, of uh, uh, people up in the department falling asleep. I think you're right, John. And you know. it's about time they woke up. Now, they've, they've listed here, well, the potential, so you have to get onto the potential list before you actually make it onto the full list. The, to the, 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 the Burren and uh, Holy Island are sitting alongside the passage tomb landscape of County Sligo, which is impressive. You know, um, that's Martin Jimenez. Yes, the whole the whole landscape up there, uh, uh, the transatlantic cable ensemble, which is the Valencia to Newfoundland, uh, Glendalough Valley, which is another monastic site, uh, the Royal Sites of Ireland, Dune Arlena, Hill of Ishnock, Cashel, Rathcrohan, Tara, and Navan Fort up in Armagh. So there, that actually makes a nice one. Uh, what's missing from here, and we've spoken about it before, is Clonmacnoise. Hmm. 
Clonmac Noyce is arguably uh, far more important than Holy Island. But if you package Clonmac Noyce yes. and Holy Island together, it becomes far more attractive. Anyway, the Minister for Housing, Local Government and Heritage, Darrell O'Brien, uh, in response to a parliamentary question from Claire D. Michael McNamara said the assessment process is concluding and that he intends to make an announcement on the composition of a new tentative list during July. Mm, and who decides on this? Who, decide, who, who makes the decision? Well, the minister in the, in the first case, and then it goes off to UNESCO, to oh, the United Nations. Will they accept whether, going on the yeah, provisional list? This is what the government are proposing. How come, how come we are so low, so, so low on the list, all these places? In Spain, 38? I never said anything in Spain on his son and Sam. Well, I've, I've been a few times to a place called Avila in Spain. It's about 100 miles from Madrid. And uh, it's a real, you might have heard of St. Teresa of Avila. Avila. Oh, right. But um, it's, it's the most fantastic uh, city old part of the city, okay, yeah. totally surrounded by a wall, a wall with, yeah. with big gates. And mm. these were built by the Moors right. back hundreds of years yeah. ago. And it's totally, it's perfect. Yeah, and you it's know, a UNESCO World Heritage It's a site. UNESCO yeah. World Heritage Site. It's important, Pat, because at the end of Porrick's piece, it says here, studies show that most locations get a 30% increase in tourism numbers in the year following their designation as UNESCO. So it would come, if it's at all possible, it should come at the right time from, from a Holy Island point of view with the anticipated Heritage Centre. Yeah. Okay, we'll go on because we have a load of things to cover. Pat, um, your neighbour uh, is, is going to, Okuni is going to retire as chair of the uh, Killaloo Municipal District uh, County Council Group. And uh, he's, he's a new man coming in. Oh yeah, he's Joe stepping down this week, and Ellen O'Callaghan has taken over the the, the Killaloo Municipal District Chairman position. Uh, Tony O'Brien has taken over as as uh, O'Brien took one of the county's first citizen party. McMahon is the story here. He's going to take off from um, PGRI as mayor of Clare. As mayor of Clare, yeah. As mayor of Clare, do we really have to use that term? Um, it yeah. makes no sense at all. He's actually, the official legal term is, is Pat Cahirlook, isn't he? Yeah, Chairman yeah. of the County Council. Yeah. And suddenly, a few years back, a few counties, not just Clare, had to invent a title called Mayor of Clare. When you go to America, no particularly, sense. you see, it's sure, very attractive. You go to America, you go to France, and you think Clare is a tiny little village. Yeah. But if you're chair of a county council, <laughs> I think that is much more substantial. I yeah. think mayor sounds better uh, with a chain and and, and he's sure a, he would have a chain anyway. Well, he becomes a first citizen, and I suppose as other than his role as chair in the county council chamber, um, he represents the council and maybe in a way represents County Clare. Yeah. But he does that as Cahirlook, doesn't he? He, he does. does, but... What's wrong with the good, strong title of Cahirlook? It looks better with a chain. <laughs> he does get a chain anyway. He does have a and chain. He's a Spencer Hill with his chain on. That's right. He was a Spencer Hill with his chain. He was representing the council of Spencer Hill. Anyway, we, we wish both Alan for the East, for the Killaloo district, yeah. and Tony, who's often been here in this station, uh, the best of luck going forward. Claire Colin Malloy, I think Pat is uh, yeah. mayor of Venice. Yeah, she's um, the, going to be the, the, the mayor of Venice. Yeah, councilman and not an independent <laughs> is a uh, is to be elected. Uh, Lesca Hillock of deputy mayor of Clare. Uh, she's replacing councilman Joe Kelly. 
and all the, the medicines will district um, areas will, will have been held this week so all the we wish the best to all the all the the, the, of the chairman of the uh, chairpersons of the district right. yes john you were Jim, asking yourself and pat uh, spent a couple of hours at the fair in Spanson Hill we did during a few the week. days ago, yeah. Yes. And you will be um, putting together for our listeners a, a little, a little a documentary on that, won't you? At one o'clock next Sunday. At John. one o'clock. Now tell me this: what was the atmosphere like, though? Yes. Yeah, I, ne- I was never at it. The atmosphere was. I don't know. It was just good. There was lots of. Lots did you of, see? Uh, did you see spitting on the hand and? You know, well, I don't know. I don't see any spitting uh, in any hands. We, we saw shaking hands. Uh, really? Yes. Yeah. Is the old is the old spit in the hand and the rub? No, I don't. Not the and COVID might have put an end to that, John. <laughs> John, you're going to have to wait for the program. You can't be giving too much away now. No, no. So anyway, but tune in at what time do you say? At one p.m. next Sunday. Just before we go out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, John. Who will bury our dead? Oh well, now that's an interesting one. I suppose I'd be the first to it to know to know answer that one for you. <laughs> there was no hidden message <laughs> in asking you. They, anyway, um, you know Mary, Mary O'Connell from from uh, Broadford, Pat, don't you? Um, she she has written a, a book and uh, it's features on the East Clare notes. Um, what is the name of the book? Community at Heart, and it explores the challenge facing communities. Presented with a diminishing number of priests, it, it, this is is a hot topic. Uh, she takes the the title "Who Will Bury Our Dead." Uh, have any of you seen the book yet? No, no, no. no. Uh, new book explores challenges for communities, and um, well, I think it's, <coughs> it's I a think good live question. Actually, she's <laughs> advocating for a greater role for the laity, the laity because laity. the priests simply won't be there. Yeah. And uh, she's saying parishes are in denial about... Are they, David? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I suppose some people might be. That uh, yeah, they I think, think that, that, that there will always be a priest around and there isn't. But when I, when I was reading this article, John, I was reminded of uh, the time I spent in Montana and uh, a very distant cousin of mine died, died in the Catholic faith, and was uh, was buried. And um, there was no, there was no. We went to the service. The service was in the mortuary home. Yes. The funeral home. Funeral home. Didn't interestingly go to a church or anything like that. The priest was there for the half hour, whatever it was. In the mortuary. In the mortuary home, and prayers were said. There was no mass, just prayers, and then. We travelled quite a distance to the Catholic, to the town cemetery where originally he came from. There was no priest there. And there's no mass? No mass. And um, the service was conducted by the undertaker. And, and all he read, all he read was, the, was a psalm. And I think that's probably the future. And what was the priest doing? The priest was not willing, probably, to travel the long distance from the city of Missoula out into the... Rocky Bush. Mountains, where yeah. it was, yeah. um, and there was no priest, even though there was a Catholic church, all right, yeah. um, a once thriving community, but um, no longer. Yeah. And I think that's probably the future, and I think that's probably what uh, Marie O'Connell is talking about, that these duties will be increasingly taken over by lay people. Lay people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that when, until the, the, the bishops and the senior clergy uh, decide that this will happen, it won't happen. It won't. Um, I now, think... What do you make of the, the Synod, the first report from the, the, the conference in Athlone last week, remember it's been in, in the media, um, would suggest that uh, there is quite a reforming, um, uh, what would you say, vision um, emerging from the laity. From the laity, yeah, yeah. I would, I'm, I'm not surprised at that. Are you not? No, but I, I would like to see some budge from the, the, from the bishops. Well, they, they, when they, the whole work is collated and, and sent then to Rome as Ireland's, you know, uh, reflection on, on the situation, okay? Um, when that happens, will the bishops, because they weren't mentioned in the, um, in the context of the meeting in Athlone at all. Well, there's, I mean, there's been, to my mind, pious platitudes about the laity and how important the laity are and how important the role of women is in the church. And certainly, we, you know, the, the, the bishops seem to say that the, the role of women is hugely important, but we won't give them any power or any say or any... Uh, you think we're still stuck in that? Oh, I do. Do yeah. you? Yeah. I do. And I think there's yeah. a big element within the Catholic Church, particularly in Rome, in the Curia, uh, that are very conservative, mm. and that it would take a long, a long time for them to be moved off the equation. And the Pope, if he is appointing liberal bishops, or in cardinals rather, li liberal cardinals, it'll take a lot of time. But I think, change to happen. I think this book and the survey you're talking about and that is, is going in the right direction. Okay, okay Listen, we'll we, be visiting it again. We, we will indeed. Pat, you're going, I believe, on an East Clare Hill challenge. Because I was talking to you the other day, Pat, and you were just down from the 12 o'clock hills during the week. Yeah, I don't, and you look very fresh. <laughs> I do the 12 o'clock hills, all right. I done it on, on, the, on the 51st there for the, for the, uh, the longer CAD. We done it early in the morning. But anyway, uh, Betsy and the, and the committee in the 12 o'clock hills and they're organising this lace up your boots for the Great East Clare Hill Challenge this year on, on the East Clare page. After a lapse of two years due to the COVID pandemic, the Trevor Talk Hills project team is once again organising the Great East Clare Hill Challenge. This is a 30 kilometre, 8 hours strenuous hike, which took place on Saturday, July 9th. The starting point is the two mile gate in Killaloo at 8am and the hike finishes. At the twenty o'clock hills, we'll buy a car back at four p.m. So eight hours, eight hours, and thirty kilometers. Thirty yes. kilometers. Yeah. not for the faint heart. No, it's no. not for the faint heart. Pat, Pat, no. Sell, no. Pat, sell the idea of why I should go and climb there. Jesus, John, I wouldn't be recommending well, you. <laughs> we we'll go back to who will bury our dead, <laughs> will we? <laughs> I'll send. I'll send somebody else in I my place. I represent them. No, tell sell the idea. Well, no, this this is limited to, to a hundred people. I know the mind those, but send <laughs> the whole idea. And the sixty, the, the sixty, I think already in. No, um, it's it's far it's far experience hikers, so there's no point in saying. But why? Then if you or Jim Collins or, or David to go, we, we'll go on. But what's on the on the, the the way up to the top that would entice me to keep going? What well, is there to see? You get up to the top of Melissa, 
Yeah. Maybe so. You, yeah. you, you stay up the door and you head up, and then you go across the country down into Bradford. Yeah. And you bring up a flower to the cup of tea in Bradford and the same <laughs> <laughs> And it runs. Well, while, while we're on the, on the of outdoor work, Loch uh, Derg, David, RT, you're coming down to, to sample the pleasures of Loch Derg. Yeah, yeah. This is the, I think many of you who, who watch RT television might know the Tracks and Trails programme which is a, a sort of a nice sort of 30-minute programme where a celebrity goes to some part of the country and they explore it. Yeah. Sort of they open it up then for the rest of us, maybe we might be tempted to go. And anyway, um, uh, this season viewers are taken along trails to showcase Ireland at its most beautiful with a chance to explore some of the many walking and blueway trails. And that's in the context that they are going to come to um, Loch Derg. In the Midwest, presenter Darren Frehl, best known for his GAA expertise, will see firsthand the range of water-based and other activities on offer along the shores of Loch Derg when he travels by foot, bike and boat between Clare, Galway and Tipperary. Lovely, so we let's hope he enjoys it and that yeah. we're shown off to good effect. And it's on, it's on and um, it's, it's going on on the, uh, June, June 30th, okay. across the June 30th, yeah. which and is the yeah. John, uh, local, when you're relaxing after your uh, <laughs> stresses in, in walking and sailing, uh, local station releases his own app on yeah. page 13 of the Care no. Champion. Dan Danner has a piece there. Killaloo or Ballina Killaloo local radio. Now, Jim, this caught my attention. I say, is there another radio station emerging in East Clare? <laughs> so. Have they gone and done a duck on us? Local oh. station releases own app. So I read, read down through it. I couldn't make head or tail of what was being offered. You know, okay? Yeah. So someone out here now reading that will, will clearly take it that there is a new radio station emerging down there in Kilubanna. Okay, well, it's not new, first of all. It's been there for a number of years. Uh, Ronan Ryan, uh, he's the, the man behind the project, and I've, I've spoken to Ronan a number of times. Yeah. And um, they have even used some of our programs, and uh, so we've cooperated. So, who are they? What is it? Yeah, it's an online radio station. I, as far as I can see, it's mostly music programs yeah. that are on, but it's an online station uh, based down in Ballina, in, in Ballina, Kidaloo. And do they do uh, anything like what we do? Well, first of all, they don't, they're not on FM, not now anyway. Um, and I would say most, most of their, um, their output is probably music. Yeah. And um, they're, they're aiming at, obviously, local audience, but a wider audience as well. Mm. Um, but they're, they're, they, as, as I said here, he's, they're putting out an app which will be available on Google Play. And uh, it will be allow people to, and available on iTunes as well. And uh, it will be to help people to listen to it, you know. So it's, it's uh, and I think a new radio station is always good. So do you see, do you see it, uh, perhaps he mentions it in the article, emerging as a, a new radio? I, I would love to see it emerging as a new local FM station as yeah. well. Yeah. I don't know what their plans are now or whether they plan to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, 
we always cooperate and we enjoy good relations with various other local community stations around the country. Mm. And none of us really are in competition with each other because yeah. we're all covering our own area. Yes. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the, how the app works. Okay. Right. Now, uh, <coughs> last thing item, school clothing and footwear allowance. John, I'll, I'll leave yeah, you Yeah, I mean, well. this is the time of year when parents... When, when, when parents start to worry if they have young teenagers the cost of of going to school free school is is, is a misnomer isn't that right absolutely okay so minister for social protection the dear old heather has opened the applications for the this year's back to school clothing and footwear allowance it's norma not heather it's norma what i call her heather Did you're I? mixing up your ministers heather humphreys and norma foley that's right. Ah, but the Minister for Social Protection. Oh, I beg your pardon, John. Mm -hmm. I am totally your, wrong. Your apology is totally accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Prostrate yourselves there in front of the altar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, rates of payment have been increased now from up to 160 for children aged 4 to 11 and 285 for children aged 12 years and over in second level schools. Well, look at... If, 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 if you're entitled, make use of it. And all I would say is, I, I hope Irish schools, all Irish schools, operate a free book scheme. Because it's one of the easiest ways to help students through. Okay. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. No. Now, just so we'll finish, we've come to the end of our show. Looking, but we didn't talk about the hurling and last weekend's excitement down in Thurlis, but where I'm looking here from, I know it's not a local paper, the Irish Independent from last Monday, and the front of the Irish Independent, uh, back from the brink, it says, which is fairly true, but it shows lovely photo of Claire's Mark Rogers celebrating after uh, Aaron Shanahan's goal uh, coming in Thurlis, coming close to the end. Pat, he looks a real, he's, yeah, a nice, you can nice, see, nice you yeah. can see the passion and the drive yeah. and the, yeah. the push, you know, the yeah. determination that's yeah. there. Yeah. So a lovely photo of Mark. Okay, that's all for today, folks. Uh, John time is, up. Time is up, John. I got it. Many thanks, John, for your uh, contribution today. Pat, thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. And David, many thanks. Thanks, Jim. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody again at 2 o'clock next Tuesday. Now, back, John did a bit of DJ work there at half time, but Pat, we'll come back to you, uh, our resident DJ. Uh, <laughs> well, what yeah. are we going to play ourselves? Yes, yeah, so we'll finish up with Paul McCartney. He, he was 80 last week, uh, Jim, so the Mull of Kintyre. Lovely track altogether. Okay, that's all from, for local media this week. We'll see you next Sunday. Goodbye and God bless. Desire